Hello everyone and welcome back to Reading by Flashlight. That was just me shutting the door. But anyway, um, we've been gone for a while. We've been on a bit of a break just because I had this pull up where I wanted to figure out what you guys wanted to read, what you guys were interested in for the book. But I never, it was always a tie. Every single time we tried to come up with a book, it was always a tie. So I decided to go ahead and pick a book. And because there was a tie, I just found a book that wasn't on the list, but hopefully it will still be interesting to some of you guys. So the book is Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. And if you can't remember why that name sounds familiar, it's because we read 2000 Leaks Under the Sea. And so I saw this book at the library and I was like, hey, you know, this might be a cool book for the podcast. So we did do 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, and we did that after we had read Rick Riordan's book, Daughter of the Deep, which was inspired by that book. So here's another book by Jules Verne, and it's called Around the World in 80 Days. Um, the version I have, well, not the version, but I have the great illustrated classics copy of it, and it says this, before there were airplanes and high-speed travel, Phileas Fogg, an English gentleman, bets 20,000 pounds that he can travel around the world in only 80 days. En route, he meets a beautiful Indian princess, gets mistaken for a notorious criminal, and is pursued by a detective with a warrant for his arrest. Follow his fantastic adventures through four continents in his daring race against time. It's a fast-paced, action-packed, high-spirited journey filled with romance, danger, and adventure. So I've never read this book before. I've never really heard of it besides the fact that Jules Verne wrote it. So we'll be figuring out our opinions on it together and what we think about it. So I think I'll be doing about five chapters per episode. That There's around 30 chapters. I think it was, yeah, 37. There's 37 chapters. So that's going to be about seven and a half episodes. So it'll last us for a good while, and it, it won't be one of the longer seasons. But without further ado, let's get into Around the World in 80 Days. So starting off with Chapter 1, it says on October 2nd, 1872, Phileas Fogg bet his life savings that he could travel around the world in just 80 days. So Mr. Fogg is an English gentleman, and not a lot of people know much about him. You know, he was never a very social person. He was never out at gatherings or business trips and he didn't have a regular job because no one quite knew what he did but what everyone did know was that he was very rich it's just people didn't know how he got rich or where he got the money from most of his time he was at this club called the reform club and he spent most of his time reading there and playing a popular english card game called whist i think yeah that's what it's called and it says the most remarkable thing about this man was that his life centered around clocks his clock didn't just have the hour, minutes, and seconds on it, but it also had month and years. And this man was never early for anything. He was never late. He was always on time, and his activities were always very consistent. And it says, for an example, he would go to this reform club at 11.30 every single morning. He would eat lunch and dinner there at the exact same time, in the exact same room, at the exact same table, and he was always by himself. And then at midnight, he would return and go to bed. So everything was always the same exact setup for him. So it says that Phileas Fogg, he had no wife, no children, no relatives, or no close friends. 
He had a large house, and the only person in there was a servant, but he had apparently just fired the servant because he brought shaving water that was two degrees too cold. So now he's waiting for a new man to replace that one. That would be scary if you were a servant and you were like, I need a good job, but I don't want to work for this man who even if I do something slightly wrong, the job will be ended. So there was a knock at the door and a young man entered. And so Fogg says, you come from France and your name is John, right? Well, he says, no, my name's Jean. And he goes over a quick list of all the jobs he's had. He's worked as a singer, a circus performer, a gym teacher, and a fireman. And then he left all that to become a household servant. And he wants to work with Mr. Fogg. And so he, um, Phileas is like, good, okay, what time is it? And Jean goes, well, my watch says it's 11.25. And so Phileas is like, oh, well, you're four minutes late. But never mind that, because starting right now at 11.29 on Wednesday, October the 2nd, you are now in my service. So he has been hired. Chapter two is titled, A New Life for a French Man. So the new servant has been watching this man, trying to see what kind of things he likes. What does he do? What kind of person is he? And it says that Fogg was a tall man, about 40 years old. He had very light hair and a mustache and was very pale. And he spoke and moved slowly and he was just a very formal person. And it said the greatest difference between them was their personalities because Fogg was always quiet and withdrawn and by himself all the time while the servant was lively and very talkative. So he was always wondering, am I going to be able to get used to this? So he's going around just trying to learn about his surroundings and he's noticing all the different things about the house and all the clocks and how even his shoes had like timestamps on them. Not timestamps, but like times of when to wear them, like what seasons, what months and all that. And on the wall above the clock was this list of things that the servant was supposed to do. So he's reading this and it says, well, fog awakes, awoke, awake? Fog wakes up at exactly eight o'clock each morning. He leaves exactly at 11.30 for the club, for the reform club. So then the servant has to serve his master tea and toast at 8.23, bring his shaving water at 9.37, help him get dressed starting at 9.40, and he has all this list of things to do between 11.30 and when he gets home. So he starts to think of this man as some kind of machine who's constantly doing the same exact things every single day. But he's also looking forward to this new job. And chapter three is titled, Phileas Fogg Makes a Famous Bet. So it talks just a few sentences about his schedule, kind of how he exactly does this 13 minutes before this and half an hour before this is this and all that stuff. So he finishes his dinner at 5.40 and then half an hour later, his partners that play the card game with him a lot arrive. So you have Andrew Stewart, John Sullivan, Samuel Fallington, Thomas Flanagan, Goddard, Goddier, Ralph, I think that's how you pronounce that. And they're talking about something that happened very recently. So apparently a robbery had occurred at a bank that one of these men worked at. And the thief went away with 55,000 pounds. And I'm going to see, I want to see how much that would be in US dollars. So according to Google, it says that that's very close to around $70,000. So that's, that's a lot of money either way. And so it says, according to a witness, the robber was dressed like an English gentleman. And they described him to the police and detectives were being sent all over England and English territories overseas to catch him. And there was a reward of two, a reward of 2,000 pounds 
being offered for his capture. So one of the men, Stuart, is like, the robber will surely get away because the world is certainly big enough to hide him. And so Phileas says, well, it was once. He says, gentlemen, it's now possible to go around the world in 80 days. You know, taking all these trains, going this, this way, 13 days, going this way, three days, all this stuff. He said, it is very much possible. And so Stuart says, well, that may be so, but you might have bad weather or you might have a railroad accident or a shipwreck or an Indian attack. And he says, even though the, even so, the trip could still be made in 80 days. Should we try it, Mr. Stewart? And so he says, oh, I'm not going to do it, but I'll bet 4,000 pounds that it can't be done. And so Fogg, he says, I have 20,000 pounds in the bank and I'll bet it all. I can leave tonight. I'll take the train for Dover at 845. Today is Wednesday, October 2nd, and I'll be back in this very room on Saturday, December 21st at 845. Otherwise, all my money is yours. So he wrote out a check for his 20,000 pounds, and that was literally half his fortune, it says. And he would need the rest of it to pay for the expenses. The only thing that's on the line if he wins is 4,000 pounds. And he's betting 20,000 pounds, but all that would be given to him is 4,000. So it says it was nearly 7 o'clock by then, and Fogg's whist partners offered to put the cards away so that he could get ready for his trip. So he says, I'm ready right now, so please deal the cards. And chapter four is titled, A Hurried Departure. So Phileas Fogg is packed up at 725. He's ready to go back to his house. And his servant is very surprised that he is there. And, and it's like an hour at least before he usually comes back. So he's like, we're leaving for Dover, England in 10 minutes. And so the servant says, are you leaving home, sir? And he says, yes, we're gonna go around the world. We have to be back in 80 days and there's no time to lose. So this man is speechless. He's like, where did this happen? And he says, well, what about the suitcases? And he says, there's no time for suitcases. Just pack a bag, two shirts, three pairs of socks for each of us. Bring my coat, my raincoat, and some walking shoes. And just hurry. And so the servant's like flabbergasted. He's like, this has to be a joke. Like he just got there. He just settled down. And now all of a sudden he has to pack a quick bag to be ready to leave and be gone for 80 days. But he's like, hey, I have to do what I'm being told. So they hurry, they get to the train station, and they buy first-class tickets for France. The train pulls out at exactly 8.45, and suddenly the servant is like, Master, I was in a hurry, and I forgot to turn off the gas burner in my room. And so Fogg was like, very well, your gas bill will be awaiting you when you return. Uh, he's concerned, like, I'm probably going to set the house on fire. But then Fogg's just like, very well, but you'll have to pay for the bill when you get back. And the last chapter we'll go over in this episode is chapter five, and this is called England Bets on Fog. So I'm starting to think, just reading through this chapter real quick, that I think um, Fog is the one who's going to be mistaken for somebody, like I talked about on the back of the book. And I think it's the robber that robbed the bank that is the one he is being mistaken for that. They look alike, I guess. But anyway, chapter five, England Bets on Fog. So news of Fogg's wager is spreading like wildfire all over the place. It's being printed in newspapers. It's being passed on to friends and family. And people are betting on him. They're saying, oh, I think he can make the trip in 80 days. But some people are like, this man's crazy. And he was just conned by his friends at the reform club. So they had these bonds that were called Phileas Fogg bonds. And they were being sold everywhere as kind of bets. And... Their value began to fall sharply because there was this rumor that Fogg was the gentleman who had robbed the Bank of England. So this is the man that he was being 
mistaken for. And so it was a detective called Detective Fitz who discovered Phileas's true identity. It says that the London police chief sent him to a place in Egypt to look for the robber and promised to send an arrest warrant after him. And Egypt was then a part of the British Empire. And when they had heard rumors that Fogg was a bank robber, people suddenly would talk about the strange habits that he had and his desire to be alone most of the time. And they were like, oh, this obviously points to him being the robber. And they viewed this all-around-the-world trip as an excuse for him to leave London before the police could arrest him. Because they were like, why else would he lay down a large sum, like 20,000 pounds, on the line? So at this point, it's very easy for people to say, oh, yep, this guy is was the robber. Because it's just everything's happening right at the same time. It kind of does look like he was the one who did it. But did he? We'll probably learn more clues to that next week when um chapters 6 through 10 are released so make sure to come back next week at thursday to check that out to see what happens next if you have anyone you think would be interested in this book or any other books that have been on this podcast make sure to tell them about it spread the podcast and i'll see you guys next week